right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. You don't got time Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And uh, on today's edition, we have a short show. We're out at 420. That is because we have high school baseball taking on the airwaves. Free State High School baseball team will have our first baseball or softball broadcast of the year from the high school side of things. Over at ODAC, Joel Becker, Colsey DeButar will be on the call of that one. So uh, we got to hurry today. Matt Tate's going to join us at 340 on this edition of the show. We start off the show today. Taking a look into the teams that made the Final Four and the teams that made the Elite Eight, because those are the teams that made the deepest run, and trying to take a look at at their roster construction, I think uh, particularly as it pertains to the transfer portal. Because as we know right now, Kansas is in a position where they're going to be adding a few names out of the transfer portal any day now, any week now, to the team for next year. And there could be, who knows, two new transfer additions. There could be as many as four. We still haven't really heard any news on MJ Rice or Kyle Cuff, whether they're staying, whether they're going. So right now you basically have two scholarships to fill. You, you could end up having uh, up to four uh, with that transfer portal. And, and I know for some people it's a little bit concerning. The idea that, oh no, is, is there going to be too many people in the train or or too many new players into the program for KU is it going to be a problem are they going to be too new of a team are they going to uh is it going to clash is it is it not the right way to build the roster with Bill Self and you know you could say well just look back to 2022 KU won the national title they brought four transfers in that year but then maybe two of them played a pretty big role yeah exactly exactly and now somebody might counter that and say, well, that team had four of their five starters back from that year, and yeah. all five of their starters ended up being guys who returned from the roster previously. And that's a fair counter, but this is why I want to do this exercise. Take a look at all four of the Final Four teams and the other four Elite Eight teams and look at how they've been constructed via the transfer portal. Um, because I think it will give you a lot of optimism that yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. And if anything, I it almost gives me more optimism that, yeah, this is kind of just the way to do things now in the college game of what KU is doing, where it's like uh, you give a player a year or two to develop. If they're not developing on the path that you like, then you basically say, okay, well, we don't see you as one of our – because you're trying to mix the transfer portal, your foundational pieces uh, together. And if you're not going to be viewed as a foundational piece after a couple of years with your development, it's not trending in the right way, just go out and get the immediate help. So uh, let's yeah. start with this one. The most uh, We're going to go in order. Uh, I guess we can do the final four teams first. Okay. Uh, so we'll start with San Diego State. San Diego State, um, of their nine-man rotation, and some teams have you know maybe eight-man, some team nine, maybe, I don't know, a team has ten. I'm just going to look at the top nine in every rotation here. That'll just make it consistent. 
of the top nine in the rotation for San Diego State, four of the players are transfers. So almost half the of, of the nine. Three of which transferred into the program just this season. Because that's that's another part of it, too. Um, yeah. That you're trying to figure out, well, because when you see Texas, you're like, yeah, they have a lot of transfers, but most of those guys, this is their second year after transferring into the program. And yeah. if that's the case, if it has to be guys who transfer into the program and then come back for a second year, then that almost makes you less optimistic about this season and would make you more optimistic about the season after. But for San Diego State, three transfers into the program this season, and not just of the top nine in the rotation, are there four of them, two of their starters are transfers. So Matt Bradley is a uh he's in his second or third year with the program after he transferred in from Cal. The the Tramel kid who was really good in the Alabama game. Yeah, he didn't he, he made the game winning free throw, right? I I think so. Was yeah. that yeah, 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 against Creighton. Um Yeah, yeah against Creighton, yeah. Uh the the Ladie kid who hit a couple big hook shots like inside and then Parrish are for San Diego State all transfers. So okay, there's there's an example of a team bringing on four, which guess what? That's how many KU would probably be bringing on. Um how about the team San Diego State beat in the Elite Eight. That would be the Creighton Blue Jays. Creighton was actually one of the lowest transfer teams. They only had two. Both of them they brought in this season, but both of them were part of the rotation. The Farabello kid is just kind of a, he came from TCU. He just kind of comes off the bench and he'll fire up a three, you know. Um, but Baylor Shireman, who is one of their best players, is a transfer. Yeah. So they have two, but that's on the lighter end of things. Okay, to the uh, bottom left bracket, that would be Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic in the final four. Now, Florida Atlantic is a lot of homegrown talent as well, but they still brought a lot of guys on via transfer portal. Of the top nine in their rotation, four guys transferred at one point into the program. Only one of them transferred in this past offseason, but you look at it and pretty much they're getting almost half their top nine from guys who are former transfers. The big seven-footer, Golden, he transferred into the program from, I think, Texas Tech. Uh, Greenlee transferred in. Weatherspoon, who we see a lot of off the bench for them. Yeah, and Greenlee is their their clutch shooter. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome in the Kansas State game. I think he had 16 points. Uh, so they they have a lot of transfers coming in now. Uh, they're more to the ilk of those guys have been there multiple years. Uh, what about the team FAU beat in the Elite Eight? That would be Kansas State. They are the most extreme of this list. Kansas State had nine, all nine of their top nine in the rotation were at a previous school. Wow, all five starters. And, yes, Marquise Noel and Ish Masood were with the K-State program for multiple seasons after transferring in, but seven of those nine transferred into the program just last offseason. Keontae Johnson, who was one of the best players in the Big 12. Desi Sills, who was kind of a hit-or-miss shooter, but a really good athlete, pretty good defender. Naquan Tomlin was a JUCO transfer. Uh, Cam Carter, the the two big men, the Ngesson and, and the Eola guys, and then uh, Green as well. That is the most extreme level of it, yeah. Which should make you feel good because K State did that, and you're gonna have less transfers than that, less new guys coming in than that. Okay, the right side of the bracket, Miami goes to the Final Four. Three of their players in their top nine are transfers, and two of those came in this past off season, and they're really big players. Uh, the the Miller kid, the the I think it's Jordan Miller, right? That dude was unbelievable in the Elite Eight. I think he was seven for seven on um from the field or something like that in the Elite Eight and he was like thirteen of thirteen on free throws. He didn't miss a shot. <laughs> That's pretty good. He did not miss a shot. That, that yeah, it's very good. He uh 
he he's a multi-year transfer. So he's been in the program for a little bit here. I'm I'm trying to remember where he came from. But uh he kind of allows them to play the way they do, where he's this kind of like guard wing type, but he's six seven. He can play the four, and then they have a small ball five. He's averaging fifteen and six this year. Yeah, against Texas, he had twenty seven points, didn't miss a shot or a free throw. Um he also against Houston shot seventy one percent, didn't miss a free throw. So like this guy's just not an absolute heater. He he's a multi-year transfer, and then they have two guys in their starting lineup. I mean, all three of these guys are starters, but they have two guys who they just got last off season, who are in the starting lineup. Nigel Pack. I mean, he he's the reason they beat Houston. He, he couldn't miss. Yeah, and the Norchad Omir kid. That, that great pickup for them. He averaged like eighteen and twelve at Arkansas State last year. Comes over. He's getting like thirteen and ten as an undersized five. He allows them to play the way they do, where they can really space the floor. The team Miami beat was Texas. Texas obviously very transfer heavy. Six transfers of their top nine in the rotation, two of which came in this past year. And of that, four starters and the Big 12 sixth man of the year are transfers. Uh, so the year two guys, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen, Dylan Disu, and uh, Christian Bishop, the guys who came in last offseason, though, too, you could argue to me, honestly, that Sir Jabari Rice was their best player. He, he was times. so good at scoring. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Uh, Tyrese Hunter, one of their starters. Both those came in this past season. And I then mean, to the bottom right, UConn. UConn of their top nine, four of them are transfers. And guess what? All four of them came in this past offseason. Does that not sound like something KU is trying to do? They brought in Tristan Newton. He's the only starter of the bunch, but the Calcaterra kid gets a, a lot of threes off the bench. They have this Elaine guy. Diara is in their rotation. He's like a really good defender for them on the outside. So, boom, there's a lot of guys. And then the team they beat, Gonzaga, uh, they're one of the ones that doesn't have a ton either, but they still have three transfers in the top nine. Rasir Bolton is in like year two or three with them. Uh, then they have the the Reed kid. They have Malachi Smith, who ended up by the end of the year, arguably being like their third best player on their team after he came in last year from, I think, Chattanooga. So you go up and down all the way, with the exception of Creighton, the other seven teams, and Creighton even had two of them, had at least three transfers into the team. And of the final four teams, three of the four have four transfers onto the team. With a lot of those, in the case of Miami, San Diego State, and UConn, you total up for nine transfers between the three teams, so on average three per team, that came in just last season. That's right. to make you feel good about KU. That was yeah, a lot of does. numbers, but couple couple big yeah. takeaways I have from this. First off, kind of what you alluded to is that Kansas potentially could be looking at possibly having three transfers in their starting lineup mm-hmm. to open the season. When you look at their starting lineup, you got Dewan Harris and KJ Adams. So those are the only two spots that are for sure. Yeah. Right? Ernest Uday, we've talked good about start, how could be a starter yeah. at the five with KJ at the four, and then you need and then you're looking at two transfers. Or, you know, it's possible that they keep running a small ball five with KJ and Ernest coming off the bench, or maybe they bring in, or maybe they bring in a five man transfer that actually starts uh, with KJ or whatever. So you're looking at probably minimum. Again, I'm for the sake of this, we're just going to assume Grady Dick is gone. I don't yeah. even want to get into that. So you're looking at, at minimum two starters, probably that you're looking to find in the transfer portal, mm-hmm. possibly three. Right. That's the first. That's the first big takeaway. Yeah. Second big takeaway is. I think this is just going to be the landscape of college basketball now. I think we're pretty much there, where it's going to be year in and year out, you're going to be bringing in probably at least one or two guys from other programs to try to help you. That's just that's just how it is, right? That's just the nature of the game now with NIL and with everything else. and with Now, again, the NCAA introduced those rules that we mentioned, I think, earlier in the or last week about how 
they have kind of tweaked the rules a little bit in terms of transferring. So if the NCAA does maybe crack down again and say, hey, listen, you're going to have to sit out again a year if you're going to transfer, then maybe we maybe this does kind of go away. But I think at least for like this year and probably the next year or two after, this is just going to be the nature of college basketball. You're going you're gonna to have to go out and get one or potentially two guys that are going to be contributors for your team. Maybe they don't necessarily have to be starters. I mean, you look at KU last year. Jalen Coleman-Lance was your guy off the bench, and Remy Martin was not a starter either, really, uh, obviously because of injury, but he ended up being critical in the tournament, right? So that's just how it's going to be for the next couple of years. And again, the NCAA could dictate that if they want to try to really, really crack down on it. But with NIL, I think you get into a lot of murky waters there. And then the third thing I want to say is this. One of the traits, I think, that makes Bill Self who he is, makes him one of the best coaches in college basketball, and, we, and we've talked about it, is his ability to adjust and work with what's going on, right? He's, he's so good at he, – I mean, he's even said it himself. He has quotes of saying, hey, I'm going to get the five best players out there, and then we're going to make it work with however that is, right? That's mm-hmm. what he's great at is adjusting. And this is another example of – Bill Self having to adjust. You know, when you think of Bill Self, you don't think of a guy who loves the idea of bringing in transfers, right? He's definitely somebody who likes to more develop guys on his own. But he's going to have to adapt at least for the in the short term, right? And I think you're starting I think you've seen that this offseason already. Bill Self has said, "Hey, listen, kind of like what you're alluding to at the start of the segment. If you've got guys that have been around for a couple years and they don't seem like they're going to be foundational pillars, you got to move on, yeah. And you got to find, and you got to find guys in the portal that are going to make impact right away, yeah. And so I trust Bill Self with that because, like I said, I think that's, I think to me that's, in my opinion, that's what's always what I've thought has elevated Bill Self above some of the other really good coaches in college basketball is, he's on, he's just kind of on a level of his own, by himself in his own tier of being able to adjust, being able to work with what he's got, being able to navigate the landscape of college basketball, whether it's you know playing with two bigs, playing in the posts, playing a bunch of small guards and shooting, playing however, whatever to the strength of your team are. That's what I think he's always been the best at. And this is another example of that off off the court, obviously. This is more off the court in terms of, you know, saying, okay, these guys are, are have had a couple of years. They're not really where we want them to be or they're not, they're not going to become what we think they could have been. We're going to have to find some other guys that can come in and, and, and continue to elevate the program. And so I trust Bill Self with that, and we'll have to see what happens. But uh, but again, you're you're looking at you're looking at minimum minimum two starters out of the portal for KU this season, mm-hmm. maybe three. And I think that's that's kind of the. I mean, if we just think back, like it felt like Chris Beard really kind of started the transfer portal big impacts things in like 2018, 19, and then what's happened since then is we've seen uh, the one year. Transfer waiver passed. We've seen the the yeah, extra year for the COVID year. Yeah, COVID, the the transfer waivers, whatnot. All that stuff has kind of muddied up the waters right. for the, in the short term. But I think it's made it so that there's been more more teams that utilize the strategy of just trying to pound the transfer portal, right? Yeah. Absolutely. But when you think back, all of those teams, like to me, the ones that really stick out, they have that. That's what they have in common because I don't think this is to say that you can completely survive off only the transfer portal. Like, if you just bring in a team of all mercenaries, like in the case of Kansas State, that's probably more to the extreme and the exception. But again, yeah. even then, they did have like three years of Marquise Noel and, and they had some other stuff happen. I think for the most part, it's find a couple of those program guys that have to be yours. Like, you think yeah. of Miami. Isaiah Wong has been a program guy for them yeah. and they filled it out with other players. You think about um, with San Diego State, um, the, 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 
the center. I the can't big guy, Aero. Yeah, uh, the, that guy, and Aero. then the uh, Mensa, Mensa kid. Like those yeah. are kind of like program guys. Uh, you think of FAU; they have the uh, John L. Davis. Like that was a program guy for them. Yeah. With UConn, uh, uh, Damasinogo and. Uh, uh, Jordan Hawkins, like those are program guys. Yeah, and KU definitely has that with KJ yeah. and Dewan, right? Yeah, KJ, KJ and Dewan are KU's two program the pillars, guys, right? Right. You think back and to you last need, year, and you need probably at least two or three yeah. of those guys. You think back to last year, Ochai, Christian Brown, Dave, Dave yeah, program guys. And then you add the, the pieces. You think back yeah, to the Texas Tech team that uh, went to the final, Jared Culver, program guy, but you added Matt Mooney and these other guys. Yeah, I do think when you look at it, it's the scales to me still tip toward, more towards having two or three program guys like you're talking about, but then being able to bring in a couple guys that that can complement your your program guy, your pillar guys as well mm-hmm. is kind of where we're at right now. And again, I mean, who's to say that in two or three years, maybe the maybe after all the COVID stuff blows over and the, you know the, you don't have to worry about the COVID year anymore, maybe who's to say that the NCAA does come and, and really crack down on it and maybe we go back to kind of how it was before. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, I think that's possible. But the, in the short term, like I said, in the short term for the next two or three years, this is kind of the reality of you're probably looking to bring in every year two guys, probably, mm-hmm. at least, that are that can contribute. That doesn't mean they have to be starters, but two guys that can contribute. Yes, 100%. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about the idea that, oh, no, are they going to have too much you know mixing and matching? Is there going to be too much differences. I will say, when you look at a lot of these transfers, it seems like there are a good amount. And this doesn't mean everyone. Some guys hit the ground running. There have been a good amount that, like, maybe the regular season was up and down for them, and then they kind of went off in the tournament. Like, think yeah. Remy Martin last year. Yeah. Malachi Smith at uh, Gonzaga was a perfect example. Tyrese Hunter, up and down. for Texas. Tyrese didn't Hunter. Really have a great regular yeah. season that much. And he had a couple big tournament and, games I mean, for Sergio Rice ended up being sixth man of the year, but right. I, again, he, he was sixth man of the year, so he came in as a transfer, and he, was, he wasn't a starter. Yeah. So that is something to keep in mind that, you know, I, I think your almost immediate thought is, oh, well, this player's more college-ready. It's going to work faster. You should be good right off the bat. Sometimes it does take a little bit longer, and sometimes you do have to take your lumps a little earlier in the Absolutely. season. Yeah. And the reality is, like, yeah, if you've, if you've played college basketball before, there are some similarities, but also there's a lot of translation of how things work, of how plays work, and this, that, and the other, right? And, you know, it's, it's not like a guy can transfer in and immediately understand – Bill Self's plays immediately understand what Bill Self wants. So there's there's still that learning curve factor whether you're coming from high school whether you're coming from college. The difference is that like maybe your body and mind might be a little bit more prepared to to take in that new information than it might be if you're just coming straight out of high school. But there is still that 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 gap, mm-hmm. right? Like that doesn't just go away. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the one thing is that typically you could say, well, okay, older Bill Self teams have done better, but specifically the older ones that have grown up in the program and have spent time and knows his playbook and the different things that he wants from you, both in terms of the playbook and just the ins and outs, uh, the everyday activity stuff. Uh, those have been the best teams, but I think also we haven't seen enough sample size of teams that have utilized the transfer portal enough with Bill Self. I mean, the um, reality situation is you don't win the national title without Remy Martin. For sure. Last year. Yeah. So, to me, that's you You call it a success. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, regardless, however else you want to look at it, it's a success. Yeah. Last year. Absolutely. And I think even though you lose in the second round this year, like, you got a one seed, you know? so And listen, Kevin McCuller became yeah. everything you could have asked for and more, right? I mean, he became one of the foundational pillars of your team. I mean, look what happened in the Big 12 tournament when he wasn't able to play. It was... It was it was night and day, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I would consider this last off se- this last season, 
probably a success from that standpoint, at least in terms of the portal, right? I mean, you hit on Kevin McCuller, and he became, what, your second or third most important player, depending on the game? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I have zero worries about the transfer portal. Um, They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to go get <laughs> some good players, whether they're in the portal now or, or they will be eventually. So don't worry about it. All right, he is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Matt Tate, the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. will join us in about 15 minutes. We'll be back after this timeout. Half past the hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be joined by Matt Tate in about 10 minutes from right now. Did you see uh, the El Marco Jackson dunks last night as part of the dunk contest? Yes, I did. Dunking over Ronald McDonald. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. I would have been more impressed if he dunked over um, Grimace. Bigger body. Oh, the the purple Big blob, purple blob. Yeah. <laughs> is that his yeah. name? Grimace? Grimace, I yeah. Didn't, I didn't know that. Grimace, baby. What about like the Hamburglar? Um, uh, is he bigger than Ronald McDonald? I think he's tall. Tall and lanky, right? Maybe. I was thinking... Dunking over a clown is the perfect preparation for playing Mizzou. <laughs> you think that'll help him out? Oh, absolutely. Uh, he also had a dunk over like some Kentucky guy who was like some seven footer. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it's it's just a dunk contest. I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal. <laughs> but I think it's more to the idea that KU has a point. This guy is a point guard competing in the the, the dunk contest. Six two, six three point guard. Um. I've seen some people kind of compare him to Devon Dotson, but that's the thing. He has like an inch or two on Devon Dotson and I think more explosive athleticism. Devon probably faster. Devon was a blur like in the open court. Yeah. yeah. But El Marco probably hoppier. Uh, a little more vertical to is that him. A, is that a word? It is now. He, I think, is going to be really fun to watch because he's going to bring that athleticism that yeah. KU doesn't totally have, hasn't really had. So Yeah, I, they didn't really have that much on this last team, but... Yeah, that bringing that explosive spark, that guy who can just blow by somebody and and get to the rim in a hurry, right when you when you need a basket, mm-hmm. that that could be something that uh, that could be very beneficial for KU. Yeah, coming up the next year. And I mean, I I expect Dewan Harris to play a huge role as he will continue to do. Oh yeah, for um, sure. But like, there are certain times. Like, keep in mind, I think the last like four minutes of the game until the last like very few defensive stops and stuff. Remy Martin was in for Dewan Harris of the national championship game. Um, so there are moments where it's like, hey, we need the guy who's creating shots. We need the guy who's making shots and stuff like that. And I think El Marco can give them somebody who can score off the bounce, which they're going to severely need in next year. I don't know if he'll end up being a starter coming off the bench. Maybe it's something where he starts the season off the bench, then ends up being a starter. Um, and you never know. Like, perfect example this year Grady Dick greatest freshman MJ Rice couldn't crack the rotation so you don't totally know with freshmen and, and I try to remain uh I guess tempered Open. expectations oh, yeah. just in case but I will say I am high on on El Marco well, it is interesting that you brought up the starting lineup thing because I was thinking this season the starting lineup for Kansas did not change barring injury or anything yeah. else it was the same five every game yep do you know who the only guy uh, to start outside of the normal five was? It was Joe. It was Joe, that's right. For Kevin McCord. Yeah. That'll probably but be on uh, outside, RCFC outside trivia of, this year. Outside of injury, uh, it was always those same five. Yeah. Right. Uh, the game, I think, for that is tonight. How about this? From Tim Graham, who is a writer for, I don't know, somebody. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Wow. Uh, 
<laughs> barring a significant development, the bill, it's whatever like the Buffalo Post is. Uh, barring a significant development, the Bills are not trading for DeAndre Hopkins. Interesting. Man, I hate this stuff, dude. It's so annoying. It's like, it just takes me back to the OBJ stuff. Like, smoke and mirrors, BS. Like, dude, I just don't, uh, I mean, whatever. Fine, sure. I just mm-hmm. don't really, I'm not really going to care until something happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, do you think you think Twitter causes that? People get on Twitter and just say stuff just because? Yeah. Or whatever? Probably. Well, I think it's annoying. Mm, yeah. And I don't like but it. But doesn't this go back to the idea that, like, you know, I, I don't think when that report came out like a week ago that Hopkins was only down to five teams and the Bills were making a push. That's, that's the thing. More, more yeah. evidence of just people saying stuff. Yeah. Like, wh- pff, what? No. I don't care. Okay. Well, I think we should be done saying stuff for this segment. Matt Tate is going to join us in like five minutes from right now. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Are you looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio has you covered. They're located right off I-70 and just five minutes from downtown Lawrence. You can check them out and book your own uh, event or check out one of their upcoming events on their own with Venue 1235. Uh, We're out early today at 420 for high school baseball. We'll have the Free State baseball team joining us at 420 here with Joel Becker and Colsey DeButar on the call of that one here on KLWN. But uh, here on RCST, we're now joined by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Four players transfer out of the program for KU, at least as of now, with Joe Yesifu, Bobby Pettiford, Zach Clements, and Kim Martin. If you were to rewind, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe two years to win you know, you're in an off season and, and KU had these guys as youngsters or committed whenever it was, and you were to tell that version of the staff, you know, it wasn't going to work out. This player was going to end up transferring. Uh, I guess which player do you think that transferred out of the program is is the KU staff, do you think, most upset that it just didn't end up working out? Not necessarily that they transferred, but that it just didn't over the time of, of them getting their shot work out. Oh, man. Um that's a, that's a good question. So we're talking Joe, Zach, Cam, and Bobby right yes. now? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, man, it's hard to say because you could make a real case for, for three of them. I don't think Cam would ever be the answer, and that's not a knock on him. That's just kind of the reality of, of what they expected and what they thought they were getting with him. I, I think they thought he could play, and I think they thought he would help them in some way. It, didn't work out that way for a bunch of different reasons, but um, I don't think they're like, oh, we really missed, and that one's killing us. You know, that, that's not a, that's not the thing here. Um, I, I would say, based on how strongly self spoke about Bobby so many different times, calling him the next great guard at Kansas and all those things, you know, there's probably some disappointment there that that that, that didn't work out and it didn't end up going that direction you know he's not the next frank mason Devonte graham um uh devon dotson right he he uh he couldn't shake the injury bug and and there's a lot of a lot of things that came into play there that just never allowed him to get off the ground really um so so i would lean toward that 
um, as my answer. But I got to say, man, I mean, I've seen a lot of these guys commit and sign and, and, and all of that over the years. And I think of the three, the one I remember self being most excited about, at least when I talked to him, was, was probably Joe. Um, incredible athleticism, scoring machine, you know, uh, bounce, toughness, physical. Like, you know, there was a lot to like about him before he got here and, and, and even after he was here. But he just, same thing. I mean, it, Joe had a role, but it was never, I don't think it was ever the role they hoped for or expected or thought it could be. And so there's there's probably a fair amount of disappointment there just because the the excitement was so high for him. look at this kid you know everybody well maybe not everybody but a lot of people remember the the dunk that he had uh, I think it was against Wichita Wichita State and I think it was in the tournament um, and and uh, the year before he came here the same tournament you know that that year a few weeks later he was a Jayhawk but um, and then you know and then Zach too I mean Zach Zach. There was a lot to like about Zach's um, potential and future when he signed sort of that new wave four, right? A big physical kid who wasn't afraid to mix it up but could also handle it a little bit and step out and really shoot it. And we just we just didn't get to see much of that either. So um, all in all, my answer is probably Bobby, but I think you could make a case for all three of those guys. I, 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 really, I really think that, that they all had their own their – own, set of hopes and expectations and not the players but but what they what the staff and coaches and and all those people thought they could be and and obviously they they all kind of fell short of that uh for one reason or another and that's why i think this is such a you know people i know are tired of the portal and it's a headache trying to keep track of it and and it's definitely made college basketball different than it used to be. Um, but this is this very conversation that we're having is is one of the things I really like about it. If those three guys stayed here and continued on the path they're on, they may waste their four year career entirely. They may never get off zero. They may never become what what they thought they could be or what they wanted to be or what the staff wanted them to be and you'd get an education and you'd get some great trips and you'd have some great memories and teammates and, and experiences and all that and that's all worth something but i think the the opportunity for these guys to go find somewhere else to play start fresh and 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 then you know really get a chance to go get that that vision again i, I whether it's at NC State or Louisville or Oregon or wherever the heck it ends up being. Um, I think it's awesome that, that that's an opportunity now that these guys have because uh, not that long ago it wasn't even it wasn't even close to, it, to the opportunity and you either had to sit on the bench and rot or you quit altogether and you know those aren't good options. Getting a chance to go start your career again and give it a jump start and and maybe maybe become what you thought you were. That's that's a goldmine of an opportunity. So I, I love it. I think it's great for the kids, and I think it is a win-win for both sides. Well, now they're left with a couple open scholarships, and I guess we'll wait and see what happens with MJ Rice and Kyle Cuff, whether they come back or, or go. That could either keep the scholarship number where it is or increase it. But at the very least, we know they're going to be hitting the portal for a couple guys and and not necessarily, you know, you, you don't have to pick any players or anything, but just in terms of the prototypes 
of of what they're looking for, whether that's positions or traits of a, a type of player. What do you think Kansas is going to and needs to look for most in the portal? Um, uh, oh, wow. Athleticism, size, length, shooting ability. I think I think wings and, and guards is, is a, a big spot that they'll need to bring you know, one, two, three players in perhaps. I mean, A, when you look at the guys we just mentioned, um, and, and yeah, if, if we can assume that, that Kyle and MJ are going to leave as well, nothing's official, nothing's set in stone. It may happen, may not. I think it will, but um, let's, let's assume they are. Um, then that's, that's what, five? Let's see, you're, you're talking about um, – the, the two guys we just mentioned in Bobby and Joe and then MJ and Kyle. And then, and then you're talking about losing Kevin and Jalen and possibly Grady, maybe even likely Grady. Um, you know, that's a lot of wings and guards to play those positions. So I think you've got to bring guys in that can impact it right away at those spots. Um, whether you're talking about starters or 20 minutes a game off the bench or whatever it is, you, you need those, those spots to be filled. And, uh, but I also think, I mean, I, I think people, you know, it's, it's cool that, that it looks promising for, for Ernest and Zuby. Um, the path is there for them. They, they both had moments this year as freshmen where it, the light was on and they looked good and you could see what they could become. And I, I think that again, the path is, is there, um, they're certainly going to get the opportunity to do that, but I think uh, there's two reasons that you should look for a big man, and that's number one, you get a chance to bring in a proven big man, right? Like a Tarek Black type, who who uh, was a big part of that team he was on, and and uh, you know, let's if he were around right now and they could bring him in, he would be a huge part of next year's team too. So I, I think they need to go find their Tarek Black. And if that means it cuts into the minutes of Ernest and Zuby, so be it. It's it's possibly going to be just for one year, right? It could be a grad transfer. Who knows? It could be a it could be a guy with three years of eligibility remaining too. But either way, you're not scared of that if you're Kansas because your goal, Bill Self's goal, and his job is to put together the best roster he can put together, setting all feelings and emotions aside. If if you bring in a big time. Uh, forward or power forward or a big physical dude who can take minutes away from Zuby and Ernest and and you're going to sit there and feel sorry for them, then the answer to them is simply, well, don't let him take the minutes from you. Compete harder, get better, beat him out instead. And that creates that competition, that creates all those positive things that you get from, from having a roster that's stacked with talent. And so I think that also is a win-win because you're, you're bringing in a guy who can help you um, if you do get some kind of quality big man who's proven himself at this level. And you also bring in a guy who puts those other guys on notice to say, okay, we, well, this, <laughs> this isn't our job. We got we to gotta go win this job. We got to compete. And they should know that already. It seems pretty elementary. It seems, you know, really obvious that that's what you do. But I think there's a tendency for guys to get to Kansas and be like, well, I'm a Jayhawk, man. I'm at Kansas. This is the blue blood program. I'm the, I'm the man. And subconsciously, I don't think they do it intentionally, but subconsciously they think they've arrived and maybe they do let up a little bit. So any chance you have of reminding them of, what it takes to win here and compete here and play here and, and, and be a factor here, 
jump on that every chance you get. Competition is good uh, for all parties involved. And so I think that as much as they do need someone to fill that role and they would love to free up KJ to not have to play the five like he did this year, I, I think bringing in a guy like that is just is just good for business. It's just simply put uh, a way to improve and increase the, the competitiveness on your roster. And usually that leads to good things. So we know KU is going to be looking for the transfer portal for a couple guys, but but what about this incoming high school class? Marco Jackson's been kind of turning some heads a little bit. I mean, do, do you think any of those guys besides Marco could feasibly have a have an impact as a freshman next season? I do. Um, I definitely do. I, I, I really I really like Chris Johnson. Uh, I think if he can make the jump between the high school level and the college level and and if he can hang with with you know um the maturity that it takes to do that it's and it's not easy i mean even the even the most uh mature together you know uh, ready for business kids that jump to that level like a grady dick for example you know there's still growing pains and there's still things that are tough about making the jump that don't mean it's going to go well for you uh, mj rice is an example of that i mean that dude physically and, and in all his production and ways he played before he got to Kansas was absolutely ready to be here. And then partly because of the injuries, partly because of just the way things went and the hand he was dealt, he, he was a non-factor almost entirely. So, you know, there's a, there's a question mark for any freshman, I think. I mean, you know, save for the very few, the very few, like the Josh Jacksons of the world. And obviously that turned out to be Grady Dick, but even Grady had his own things this, this season, you know, like he wasn't perfectly ready. He still had a lot of work that he had to put in so that he could, he could compete at this level and, and perform at this level and be good at this level. And, you know, he did very well. He deserves a ton of credit for putting in the effort to do that. Um, so, you know, the Chris Johnson thing for me is is uh, that that's kind of that's kind of what I wonder with him. I love his game. I love his physical makeup. I love how he plays, and I think that um, if he's able to make that jump as much mentally as physically, uh, he could be a big time player. Whether it's right away or a year or so in, um, I think his is really really high. Um, don't know a ton about Marcus Adams Jr. Just because he's the most recent guy they picked up, um, but the things I've read, the people I've talked to, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people out there that think he's, you know, borderline NBA ready, and he's not. I'm going to spoil that right now. There, very few of these kids actually are these days, but um, but in in terms of the way he plays and his game and his physical uh, traits and things of that nature, I think that people think that he's he's kind of closer to that path than anything. So. It's hard not to say, okay, hey, look, here's this six, seven, two hundred and fifteen pound kid, and KU needs to replace Jalen Wilson, who was, you know, about that when he got here. Well, you know, nobody's going to be Jalen Wilson, but the, the body type fits, the way he plays the game fits. Maybe he gets some of those minutes. But I think again, that's where that's where you're looking for portal help, um, because you need to replace Jalen and his production and his minutes. You need more than just. Um, the, the plug-and-play guy that fits the, 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 the position or the size or whatever. You've got to have competitiveness. You've got to have 
physical growth, mental growth, you know, somebody who's done that. And, and so that's why the portal's so helpful and huge for Kansas. Um, let's see, what am I missing? Jamari McDowell, uh, another guy I don't know a ton about. I know they got him early, and, and, you know, same thing. These guys are all similar, man. They're wings, they're long, they're athletic, and, and it's very clear that that's sort of been the, the, the store that KU's been shopping at over the last, uh, you know, recruiting class or so because, you know, that, that's, that's how you have to survive in college athletics and college basketball these days. You've got to be athletic. And, and then if you get a guy like Bill Self who can demand and coach up defense and, and, and run a system that, that produces points and all that, those guys, those guys fit into it really well if they can do it mentally. So I, I think I think all four have a chance to, to be nice players, but I could have told you that about the class that came in last year. I could have told you that about Zach and Bobby's class. I could have told you that about the Tristan and Aruna class. You know, I've, I've, I've thought that a lot in the past, and it hasn't worked out for all of them. And so, you know, common sense almost tells you that it probably won't work out for one of these four guys, but – um, you, know, you never know. It, it's uh, it, it's a good problem to have, though, when you can go get big-time talents like that and bring them in and see how they fit. He is Matt Tate. You can check out all his work in the Lawrence Journal world and at KUSports.com. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. Yeah, man. You guys have a good day and uh, a good week, and thanks for having me as always. Appreciate it. All right. That's Matt Tate. Again, check out his work, KUSports.com and in the Lawrence Journal world. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down. We've only got about 20 minutes to go. That's because we're going to scoot out of the way for uh, some high school baseball with Free State High on the airwaves. But we're going to take a timeout, and then we'll come back for that 4 o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We uh, will have some free state high school basketball coming at you at 4.30 over at, I'm, I'm sorry, I said basketball, baseball, from baseball season. Uh, we're going to kick Come off on, our man. baseball softball coverage with uh, free state. So we'll have uh, some free state, LHS, baseball, softball games over the coming weeks uh, here with KLWN. Guys, it is all about confidence, confidence knowing you'll be ready to go when your partner is, and confidence knowing you'll be able to go a few extra rounds when needed. Confidence is what you get with the chewables from BlueChew.com. BlueChew is an online prescription service to where you don't need any visits with the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy for a uh, special pill that delivers active ingredients like Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost, um, you can get them very easily with this super easy process. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it is all done online. If you don't like swallowing pills, no problem. The uh, Sildenafil and Tadatafil, uh Tadalafil, excuse me, tablets are so chewable so that you don't have to worry about swallowing a pill. And we have a special deal for our listener. So if you could benefit benefit from extra confidence when it is time to perform, visit bluechew.com and try it for free when you use our promo code RCST. So when you use that at checkout, you pay just $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code RCST to receive your first month for free. All right, so uh, we're going to finish up today's show, at least we think. We should be heading out over to uh, Free State High School Baseball here shortly. 
with the top five best things, top five worst things about the KU basketball season officially being over. Should we start with the worst? Get the bad out of the way? Sure, yeah, if you want. Yeah. Okay. All right, number five on this list. Worst things about the KU basketball season being over. Okay. Knowing who has played their last game in a Kansas uniform is number five. Yeah, that's sad because especially after, like immediately after the game, uh, when I was there, like it was sad to see Jalen Wilson like just really down, and it was, it was tough. It was tough. It was really sad. And like, and then really a protracted sadness of like guys like Grady Dick, where like in your head you're like, oh no, did I just watch the last game? What if he leaves? Or what if he might come back? Then it's like you're back and forth, and it's like it's even worse. You know, like you, you don't even know. You don't even, you're not even sure if you saw the last game or not. And then that like is more anxiety inducing, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it, that's a rough one. Yeah, it is. And yeah, it, it's especially worse, I think, for, because you're right. It, it does suck for the guys where it's like, was it his last game? Was it not? But yeah. For the guys where it's final, it feels almost worse because even though. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like, well, because we probably is Grady Dick's last game, yeah. but it's like, you know, for sure with Jalen. Oh, yeah. Like we talked about it. Like, you know, Jalen has established a, a very significant legacy at Kansas. I think for a lot of people over the course of this season, he turned into one of their favorite KU players to watch. Certainly for me, he did. And so, yes, that made it particularly uh, difficult, you know, knowing like, hey, man, you know, this is a this is the guy who ultimately is probably going to have his jersey in the rafters and is will go down as as an all-time great Kansas player, a guy who contributed on the national title team uh, and then was obviously an excellent player in his senior season. And, yeah, it's sad sad to see him leave. All right, number four, top five worst things about the KU basketball season being over. Watching them is fun. It's entertainment. Yeah, no, it is. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Gives you something to, you know, it's a Monday oh, yeah. night, Tuesday well, you know, night. Exactly. You're like, yeah, it's kind of boring night. But then it's like, hey, look, something to look forward to. Exactly. I got something like, to do okay. tonight. That's what makes it even, in some cases, better about basketball is that, you know, with like football, it's like. You're looking you forward watch, to the weekend. Yeah, you watch yeah. them on the weekend. And then it's like you literally have to wait the whole week to watch them again. Whereas with basketball, it can be like, you know, okay, you might play on a Saturday. And then you're like, oh, man, now I got to start the week. And then, boom, big Monday or Tuesday. And then it's like, oh, great. You get to start the week, you know, having a little bit of fun, too. So that yeah. makes it that makes it extra nice. Yes, exactly. Just, yeah, so, something to do, something to look forward to. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, number three, the rest of the tournament becomes not as fun. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I actually had a friend I was talking to about this. And he basically said that he was happy that in a weird way, he was happy KU lost around 32 because if they made the Sweet 16 and lost, it would have ruined the rest of the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight for him. Which, like, fine, sure. Obviously, you want your team to make a deep run, but it's like, okay, you know, but that's a good example. It's like, if KU does play early on a weekend and they lose, like in the Sweet 16 or something, yeah, you're kind of just bummed out for the rest of the games of that round, yeah. right? So I, I get it, you know, and, and it does make it tough. But, you know, on the flip side of that, once you have some time away from it, it kind of still ends up making the tournament pretty fun. But, yeah, definitely in the short term, like, that day or, like, even the next day, like, you're probably not really enthusiastically watching very many games. No. No, not at all. Um, so, yeah, it, it does kind of stink. Now, there was the added, at least here locally, where, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people were, I don't know, rooting for K-State not to make the Final Four. So, that added, like, a little bit of oomph there. But, yeah, it certainly... I don't know. It makes it less uh, appealing a little bit. Now I enjoy yeah. it no matter what. But yeah, the the years that you yeah, remember yeah, the most, the most have fun with it. Yeah, right. The the years that you remember most fondly about the tournament in general tend to be the years that your team goes <laughs> further because you're more engaged at that. Point. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, number two, I didn't get to go to Vegas. That sucks. That's tough. Yeah. I was going to go to Vegas for the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and yeah. boom. Yeah, I feel like once the initial outrage of not being in Kansas City blew over, it was like, okay, well, Vegas is a pretty good consolation. Yeah. <laughs> but then, obviously, it didn't quite work out where you where you or KU made it there. Yeah. Um, so that, that wasn't fun. I would have enjoyed a uh, trip to Vegas. And number one, the worst thing about the KU basketball season being over the sports dead period, and just I, I guess from from our standpoint, less to yeah. talk about. Yeah, and you get into this period where obviously the Kansas City Royals are not going to be a, a World Series contending team or anything like that. So you you get into this period where it's like, meh, you know. And then, all right, well, you got the Royals, okay. You got NBA playoffs, yeah, okay. You got hockey, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Yeah, so you get into this you get into this period of uh, where. Yeah, and, and and certainly from the standpoint of the show, you're right. We have less to talk about because KU lost early. Yeah, so uh, just not as fun. And and we haven't totally hit the the dead period yet. That usually comes like once the final four ends. Well, like there's still storylines. Yeah, and we're gonna have RCC trivia. Exactly, and trivia is is I mean that's part of the reason trivia was invented. It gives us something to do in the off season. It gives you guys, the listeners, something to both do if you are participating or listen to. In the off season, yeah, uh, we'll have the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. That's always fun. Um, I don't know, maybe the Royals will be good this year. <laughs> uh, we have a bunch of KU baseball, high school baseball, and, and, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, gets to that off period. Now I will say the fact that KU football was became a lot more relevant last year uh, makes yeah. the off season a lot more fun to talk about KU football. Definitely. And I and I also we talked about this yesterday. The fact that the transfer portal, I know a lot of people hate it and, and whatever. Uh, it makes our job a lot better because we can talk about rumors and this guy visiting and this guy possibly joining the roster. And I don't know. It, it adds to some stuff to where I think the offseason in the sports dead period now, I mean, drafts in Kansas City uh, is yeah. probably yeah. a little bit better than it was maybe five years ago. That's true. Yeah. I forgot about the NFL draft being. Kansas yeah. City. Yeah. So those are the top five worst things about KU basketball season being over. What about the top five best things about the KU basketball season being over? Number five, not being stressed multiple times a week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because listen, it can be great when KU plays on like a Monday or Tuesday, but also on the flip side, you're nervous about it. You're stressed. You're it's already a Monday, so it's like a double whammy of like just a you know recovering from the weekend, and then on top of that, it's like oh boy, I gotta you know KU's KU's tipping off at eight o'clock tonight against Texas Tech. Like they're gonna have to really sweat this one out. Yeah, so it's it's uh it, it goes both ways certainly. Yeah. Um. So I guess yeah, it, it's, and I think that's a good way of putting it. This off period, you can use it as just like a, a reset period, basically, right? Sure, yeah, it can be a good thing, yeah, you know, for your mental health. Number four, more open nights to catch up on stuff. Yeah, this is a this good. This could have been higher. This could have been higher. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one because uh, I think this is probably resonates more with people that maybe are like in relationships, <laughs> where like your significant other wants to watch a show or like something like that, and you're like, dude, right. KU basketball is tonight, <laughs> you know. So yeah, this gives the opportunity to to free up some time and and uh, you know maybe catch up on other shows or whatever other things I've been watching or, or you know things like that. So yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one because you're right because probably for most people, the game itself you know takes a little over two hours, right? But there's at least for me like you have like the preparation period, right? Like you can't really sit down and watch like a TV show or something like the hour leading up to the game. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're not gonna sit down and watch like a drama before the game. No, no, of course not. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this is good. You catch up on TV shows, <laughs> catch up on movies you might have missed. Yep. Like you said, you, you, you're more open for date nights with, you know, your lady. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, like my wife loves watching KU basketball games with me, so it works yep. out. You know, everything's good there. But yeah, certainly it's it's you know you get extra time to do. You can pick up other hobbies in over the summer, True. right? You can do more chores, which you, you probably try, have to. You got to mow the lawn. You can try stuff knitting. Like yeah, sure. Pick up. Maybe that should be our thing. We we pick up or crocheting. We pick up a, a new hobby every summer or something, or every <laughs> week during the off season. We have to pick up a different hobby, and we'll have our wheel with like the things we can pick up. Uh, number three, the weather is heating up. That's always nice, as opposed to being like ten degrees out. Yeah, no, that is great, and that certainly improves your mood. Also, you know, so that's good. And even though it Sunshine hasn't quite, yeah, even though it hasn't quite warmed up as much yet, uh, you know, it will obviously, and uh, it'll be great. And then. You know, you give it about a couple weeks before you start complaining about it being too hot, you know. So, but, you know, enjoy that enjoy that window where you're like, oh, this is nice. So, I didn't put this one on there, um, but the older you get uh, when you live in Lawrence, the more you... Okay, so I lo- love KU students. They're great. They help basketball. So, uh, uh, whatever. But you're going to be... You're going to say you're happy that they leave. Well, during the summer, I, I don't want them not there the whole time because sometimes you do kind of like having the, you know, the... Makes you feel younger having the college vibe and the atmosphere right in your backyard. But there is a a very big part of me that very much enjoys that like three or whatever it is, three or four month period during the summer when the students are not there. And you get a little more peaceful, more of the towny vibe in Lawrence. no traffic. No, no traffic on like (laughs) Iowa and everything. Uh, It's easier to get like a table at a restaurant. And and just going to like some of the different restaurants and great bars and stuff that we have in Lawrence and having, you know, within this is in conjoined with the weather heating up, be able to sit outside, you know, drink an ice cold beer outside. Like there's something fun about that. So, uh, yeah. I'll honorable honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, number two, the football season's closer. Yes. Can focus on the real sports, <laughs> the, the actual sport. Football. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The spring showcase coming up literally next week. So. Yeah, and this one's a new one, right? Because normally it's like you're probably just like, oh, dude, this sucks. Got to wait nine months for KU basketball. But now, KU football. Yeah, exactly. It's great. It is great. Yeah, so it means that we are, because what? It's the end of August, first week of September. So we're like, what? April, May, June, July, August. We're like five months away. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, a lot closer than it was during the Big 12 season. Nine months. January, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a positive. (laughs) Football is always fun. It is. And it uh, gets close to the best time of the year, which is the fall. Number one. Mm, interesting. Top five best things about the KU basketball season being over. More time for Bill Self to get healthy. This is obviously yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, exclusive to this year one. Yeah. Yeah, I think we talked about this off air after, but it's like for KU to lose early in the second round, it is kind of like a good thing because now there is no pressure on Bill Self to like try to rush himself to get back. Like now he can really take his time with whatever he needs to make sure that he's good to go physically and mentally and just health wise and everything. And he can kind of do that without having to bear the burden of, Oh, you know, I need to get back to my team or whatever. And, and so, yeah, it, it is a positive, right? I mean, now you literally have, if you're Bill Self, you literally have basically what, like six months to, to get healthy. I know they do stuff in the summer and things like that. They normally, they normally have the Bill Self summer camps and stuff, but like certainly he has enough time now to wear, and there's no pressure on him to try to rush back. Yeah, so that that's obviously a good one with those extra months. Probably need uh, every bit of time that you can possibly have, and uh, you hope that, that he's healthy and continues to coach. Uh, we haven't really heard anything on that note uh, in a while, and I think you know it's for good reason because it is a health-related matter, yeah, and KU just wants to make sure, and, and sure. Bill Self want to make sure that um, yeah. you know they get to a point where they're comfortable before they start uh, overdoing stuff. 
Um, but yeah, that okay. That's our top five, bottom five. Uh, I do have a KU women's basketball ticket uh, giveaway here before we go to break. We will uh, maybe give away some more on tomorrow's show as well. But we're going to make this very simple. All you got to do is call, and we're going to possibly hook you up if uh, you call in the nick of time before we run out. Tickets to the KU-Washington game tomorrow in the Fab Four of the WNIT. It's happening at Allen Fieldhouse, happening at 6.30. You can also listen to the game on uh, KLWN with pregame starting at 6.15. But if you want to go to the game, we have free tickets for you. So call and we'll be giving away till we run out. Give us a call on our studio line at 785-843-1321. That's 785 785- 843-1321 for some free KU women's basketball tickets. That's going to do it for this edition, though, of RCST. we got high school baseball with Free State coming at you next right here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.